Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the 16th episode of Three Devs and a Maybe, the uh, the podcast that is brought to you from uh, from well, usually four web developers. Tonight it's just two. It's just myself, Lewis Keynes, and my good friend Ed Mann. Hello, evening, Ed. Hello, it's a uh, one dev and a maybe. I think tonight, isn't it? Again. De- oh yeah, true. Who, am I? Am I the dev in the situation? You're the dev, here, so I'm that maybe. You know. Oh. Well, maybe you are, maybe you are. <laughs> We're back by popular demand, you know, just the two of us. Right, let's cut to the chase. Where are they then? I have no idea. Actually, no, I think Fraser is doing his course again, because I do remember him last, not last week, the week before, actually saying something. And Mickey double-booked himself. The guy doesn't believe in calendars. <laughs> like, he just doesn't believe in using Google Calendar. Like, he's a, he's a very social guy, you know. The guy has got a lot of friends, you know, and a lot of meet and greets he has to do. He's pretty much well, the queen. I'll tell you what, he's got one less friend right now, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you, you you stand however you want to on the situation. Oh, but, you know. dear. And yeah. as for all these forestry yeah, courses, you know. <laughs> Fraser, if you haven't got it by now, mate, you're not going to get it. You know, come back to the podcast. How many, you know, yeah, exactly. How many ty- How many ways can you actually arrange flowers? That turns out a lot. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Maybe well, that, that's the truth. Yeah, actually, I wouldn't know even. It's, well, we're not going to Wikipedia, but yeah. Sure. Do you know, it, it seems like forever since the one last week we did. I'm just trying to remember. It was we had Justin on, didn't we? We did. Yeah, went down really well. Actually, we got some really positive feedback. Thanks for the emails from some people. They were really positive. Saying, and I think what we're going to try and do is plan to have a couple more similar in a similar vein, like you know, with a. a person coming in and we just pretty much grill them for an hour and a half or so yeah it seemed to be a format that worked pretty well didn't yeah. it? yeah i mean i think mickey's trying to hope to get someone in i'm hoping to get someone in so we can uh yeah hopefully in the next couple of weeks maybe you know in your podcast feed you'll be able to see there'll be a couple more interesting people cool i haven't seen any of the any of the feedback from last week actually did you say you've, i don't i mind you I, I haven't seen our email so what, what ah. sort of feedback oh no we just got a nice email from a guy saying that he really enjoyed the last episode the justin one you know that oh, cool. and i think listening back to it because when we're doing the podcast i'm kind of half half into you know just thinking what do i have to say next so when i listened back to it and everything <laughs> i was like yeah justin knows his stuff very interesting podcast indeed did um did this guy stay in it for the long haul or what was it you know, one hour i don't know i tell you that that was yeah yeah, we that was our longest show, and uh, it showed, didn't it? Really, that was crazy. That was I couldn't believe it. It went on for that long. I was like, we, we we're usually pretty good at sticking to the hour, but this one just, uh, you know, we just went with the flow, and it just lasted for as long That's as it did. Exactly, it's uh, exactly, it. and we'll see how long this one goes. You know, because last time we we and you uh, ended up talking for like an hour and twenty minutes. Well, that's edited <laughs> down as well. So, oh, better watch out. Yeah, how, how have you been keeping anyway? What's yeah, been up to? Yeah, uh, really week? good, man. Um, same freelance stuff. I'm, I'm pretty much you could literally insert the same thing each week for me. Yeah, so it's freelance stuff carrying on, and I've got another yeah. blog post um, that I've just been speaking to you off air on and about, and uh, yeah, using anonymous functions and closures in PHP. Um, so closures and now anonymous functions they've been around since five point three, but I still think a lot of people don't use them, probably because they don't. It's one of the things where they don't know if they support, you know, if you get support for them because some people probably were still using setups in the five two era and stuff like that. And but yeah, I, I've given like a, I thought I'd do a blog post on that because I know me and you spoke about it last week when we had a little yeah. up on Thursday. And um, 
I gave one of the weirdest examples ever, and I was thinking that's not like a string example. And I was like, no. So I thought all I did was set aside a couple of hours and then wrote up a validation thing to kind of give it like a real feel about why it's so they're so powerful and useful. Yeah, I'll be looking at that. Closures is definitely one of the areas of PHP that. I don't know. I, I just I still struggle to get my head around it. Well, it's very so, uh, there's so many technical terms that they use because it's all from lambda calculus. Like, but and like they call anonymous function is a lambda, but really all a lambda is is a function with no name. Isn't lambda a funky dance? Oh, the lambada. What is the lambada? How does this go? This dance. That's enough of that. Yeah. Not not no Cronenberg, and you know, so we don't. No, I'm rocking a lemonade and lime as we speak. Lime. But it Enjoy is in a Foster's it. glass, so you know. Was this a bor- this is a borrowed Foster's glass or a long term borrowing? A long term borrowing. Yep, it's like yep, going to the library. Yeah, oh but yeah, so that that's pretty much been my week. How about you? Uh, yeah, really not much to report on the work front. Just um, just same project. Well, actually, it's kind of ground to a halt now because the uh, the content hasn't really been coming in still. So I've just been uh, so it the messing whole around site content. All of it, or is there just pretty much? There's, oh, there's just, there's basically when when this site's finished, it's going to be about sixty, seventy pages on it. It's, it's going to be a big site, but the majority of the main pages all follow the same template. So it is That's just good. a case of putting the content in. That's when yeah. programming comes into its strength. You know, dynamic yeah. pages. It's like you can do all that hard stuff, and I don't have to copy and paste new static HTML. Yeah, I got shown a copy of the sitemap for it today, like the updated sitemap, and it's just huge so but that's the interesting thing like the programming side of it is pretty much done but how's the framework going with that because that's this is your first build isn't it with your new framework it is yeah it's going pretty well i've I've had a couple of bits to tweak on it but um to be honest i haven't i haven't encountered many bugs at all with it and i think that's because of uh, trying to stick to this modular approach that, and that's that worked use. really well has it well the, yeah the hmbc all right HMBC, cool model view controller exactly everything's kind of feeding off of one one area of code so um like all my database methods and everything like that you know each each module only uses one date one database method so if you know if i can get something to work for one module i know that it'll work it for all the other module. so and how about the namespacing that we brought up last thursday when we met up uh, is that was that successful or did you think it was successful it was just but just time consuming it's uh i had uh, i've had quite a few sort of retweets and twitter comments about um a nice uh, namespacing video link that i put on twitter from uh, from Jesse Ream that I spoke about last week. Yes, brilliant but, that one. That was a brilliant YouTube video. Yeah, what what I learned sadly was there are no there are no shortcuts unfortunately with it. Once you've uh, once you've got a, an application of a fair size and you decide that you need to go back and add namespacing to it, you need to then go back and debug all your pages that call the various methods and and add cry a little bit. Bobs. Yeah, it took me it probably to go through the whole site and do it. It took me about three and a half hours. It's a good. I suppose it's a good yeah. idea just to see, like, kind of go back over the architecture of the site, though. Is it whether well, the actual application, web application framework, and kind of, I'm sure, maybe, I'm sure you probably changing bits while you're at there because you know. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the other thing. Work in a certain it, way. It gave me an opportunity to just test the whole thing from scratch again because I was because essentially every point that I got to in the site was broken because it needed uh, <laughs> it needed to be fixed by the yeah. And it makes so, you say it makes you have to go through the whole logic again, the whole code base, and just yeah. Yeah, but the, the, good thing, the good thing that came out of that is that it was working fine. So, um, so now I've added oh, that in. So I've got the reassurance of that for the future. Uh, and then, so that was my week last week. Over the weekend, I went to see your uh, your beloved Fulham. Yes, play. and thank you, sir, for going because we won. 
You did win. There's but... me watching it on a stream. I won't say how I got this stream, but there's you actually yeah. at the ground. This is what my, my brother-in-law was uh, was questioning as to how you were, you were able <laughs> to know what was going on. But um, yeah, it was it was very much a game of two halves, wasn't it? It was very crazy. It was pretty amazing, and like the yeah, the thought to be a goal but wasn't a goal, and it, yeah. Yeah, if we could, yeah, just go into this just very quickly. What was your thoughts on the uh, to anyone that saw Newcastle Fulham on Saturday? The the literal last second of the game, the handball that wasn't given in the penalty. Oh come yeah. on! Yeah, well, you being a Newcastle <laughs> fan now would obviously say I thought not... it was it was balls of hand. You know, he couldn't move out the way. The but only yeah, thing, it was, if, oh. if it was a, a lot more crucial, then it might have been more of an issue, but it didn't really matter either way how, to Newcastle. How was your, how was your, uh, the person you went with? Uh, he was... Uh, was he good, good spirits he, afterwards or depleted? He was already pretty disillusioned because he figured that Newcastle pretty much got their backsides kicked the whole game anyway. So, uh, <laughs> But he, he thought... Well, it was interesting because there was the foul in the second half that led to the goal. And uh, this football chat's probably going to get cut out of the final podcast. But if it's still in, then the rest of it didn't go very well. Anyway... <laughs> but yeah, there was the foul that wasn't given, and uh, and then that led to the goal that actually stood. So, you know, there you could have there, been about sir. four or you five different there. versions of, of the result. You and know, and did you been... go out afterwards? Did you enjoy yourself in Putney? Yeah, well, Smith, we, we stopped in Putney very quickly. Uh, but yeah, it's nice there. It's nice there. And, it's uh, it's the a nice ground, isn't it? The ground's oh, really nice. It's one of those like old, quaint grounds that hasn't changed, hasn't got all commercialised. Really, it's no, it's really nice. It's right next to the river, and there's uh, we were sat in the. In the, the quote unquote mutual end, which yeah, it, felt, it felt like the Newcastle end at the time. But Fulham fans aren't the loudest. But though, to be honest, though, I think we got pretty loud at the end. It was quite crazy because it was such a good game. It was. It, well, the first half was was just dead. Nothing happened, and the second half was good. So, uh, but yeah, there was a nice nice area down around the back. We'd go down and get a drink and kind of stood and look look, look over the river and that. It was uh, it was a really really good Saturday. You know how like uh, on your weekends you just want to spend those just unwinding as best you Absolutely. can. Absolutely, away this from the was, computer. Oh god, yeah, yeah. This this was definitely one of those. And, a nice uh, sunny weather as well. We've had like oh lovely crazy weather. Good anyway. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from the weather because that always <laughs> goes down. Uh, but yeah. I heard uh, from you today. You know, you may have a project in the light, uh, pipeline. Yeah, we had an interesting meeting yeah. today. From, uh, we had Care a to share a little bit, you know, just uh... yeah. All, all I can say it's it's for an, for an alarms company. It will be for. Um, uh, I'm saying um again all the time this week. Aren't I? I can't shift that. But anyway, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really really big site. Actually, it's going to um, encompass some e-commerce stuff, and I've, I haven't really. Um, done anything that's that's encompassed any e-commerce kind of stuff so you know i've been i've been dying to get a project where i'm going to uh you know have the opportunity to you know create shopping carts and all that kind of stuff and then um what i'll probably end up being uh, using the stripe api for the payment gateway oh very like cool good choice in payment have you, gateway have you used it i haven't used it in production but i haven't just me having a little mess around with it because mickey um had a lot of fun when we were back working together with uh paypal and uh yeah I remember um, you and you and him at, um, at our old job with the MU project messing around with PayPal yes, a lot. Yes, there is. Well, it's one of those APIs that for, I don't know why they want to make it so hard. We're giving the money. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. And then you come and you see Stripe, and they just they in an example. It's one of these like you know three three line examples. Like yep, that's how you do it in PHP. Yep, it's how you do it in Java. Yep, this. Uh, and it's like why can't it be this simple with PayPal, or why can't they just do some R and D's and development in there and just make it this simple? But yeah, yeah. I really can't different. wait to. I can't really can't wait to check it out. I mean, I've never since. I don't think since I started doing the job have I heard um, a library or an API kind of raved about 
like this since it came out so I it mean, seems to be solving a lot of problems absolutely and I, it's definitely i mean it's it's definitely needed as well and but i think the thing that they have i think their payment they they are they get a bit more of the money i think there's a percentage that so paypal's better still on the percentage front for how much they take off you know off the total price that you will earn pay but yeah. for that sheer fact of just being simpler you know well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the simple, and and I take it the security things all taken oh, care yeah, all of, that, and all of that, that stuff. All that and... jazz, yeah, it's the same, very similar, but it's just the way you interact with it is so much nicer, and yeah. But especially when it deals with money, you want it to be as simple as possible so you don't yeah. screw it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be really cool to work with, and it'll be nice when I when I get to the whatever point in the show to maybe give a bit of a review on it. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to that, and I think that's a very good segue to yeah. uh, security. To secu- yeah, we're, on the we're web. Gonna... Security on the web. Uh, yeah, apparently it's needed. Ed. I it, can't. I can't see the sense. Oh, it's password self. one two three four. You know, easy. You know. You know. You know. Putting security in is only going to make it more difficult to hack websites. <laughs> exactly. That's a Other very good that. point. Yeah. You know, these people. You know, we need to make their lives too hard. You these, know? these hackers. They're, you know, they're having a nightmare. Bless them, trying to oh, hack into dear. these websites. People keep sticking all these security measures on. Exactly. The, we, uh, we hope to make it harder for them today because we hope to. You know. That's one thing that, you know, just today I've been able to write a couple of notes, some notes up on uh, some security stuff because an email way back we got was from a guy who then, you know, said, is there any chance you could do a podcast on web security? And finally, we'd be able to pencil it in and hopefully plan in this week and maybe next week if it does overflow a bit to uh, really go over like the, the con- the, like the, you know, the important concepts that every web developer needs to know about if they don't understand it completely but to have an idea about and you know to think about when they're developing web applications because once it goes online anyone can access it which is a brilliant thing and it's a powerful thing but it's also a scary and security conscious thing and there are i I think the best thing to do first is to know your enemy you know you know your enemy and then you can work from there and and there are three types of main hacking or hackers on the web uh, there are these people quote, like Ed, people like me, naughty. Yeah, uh, well, you probably are people like me, but I'm not like this. But uh, you've got your <laughs> hacktivists, which are your script kiddies. You know, they are the people who are opportunists. Uh, you know, they're not. They're really just trying to find an easy way into any system just to be able to do it. Do it for the lols. And there's a funny thing because lolsec, you know, are a group of these hacktivists, and a big thing happened in like 2011. I'm sure you're aware of it, where Sony, uh, a lot of their passwords got leaked out by one SQL injection attack. Uh, and LulzSec, obviously, they, they were doing this for a couple of months, actually just targeting Sony on random servers, random so- uh, services that they had. And, uh, yeah, one of the big payloads they were able to, uh, you know, unauthor, you know, get was, you know, a lot of people's user data and user passwords that were all plain text, which is always great as well. <laughs> yeah, well that's, Very dangerous. You've got an email and you've got their password. You're like, well, why don't you just check the email there? Because that's what they do, isn't it? You know, it's... A lot of people use the same password for a lot of things. So if you've got your email, you'll just go on all these sites now like Facebook. Oh, yeah, I just use your email because I know your email and then your password may be the same. So it doesn't only affect that service. It affects anything else on the web. Yeah, um, definitely. So you've got I your guess... hat- Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, are you still on that bit? Because I was going to say we've kind of touched on one of the first main areas, which is SQL injection. So I wondered whether to um, go. I've got a couple of bits more. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Because there is kind of like, the, the way I, um, I've got is, uh, actually, I'll, I'll go in a minute. Yeah, so we've got, and then we've got career criminals. And they are people that make a good money and good business out of doing these things. So they're far more organized than your hacktivists. Uh, you know, they're far more, you know, they're not just going to be running bots over your system. They're going to be able to work out and, you know, try and penetrate a system. 
Then you have your nation states and they have large resources and they're typically uh, politically driven. Now, you know, I think the one that we mainly have to deal with in our in our world is the hacktivists and the script kiddies. Um, unless we deal with big systems and we work at big companies where career criminals may come into it as well. Um, but really, you should be protecting your site and you should be thinking about any possible thing that could happen on your site, you know, and trying to safeguard against that. And there's a there's a great project that go, is going on. Um, it's been around for a couple of years, well, actually quite a few years now. And it's called the OWSAP. And what ASP. that is, ASP, yes. <laughs> and it's the Open Web Application Security Project. And it's non-profit, which is great. It's set up to make the web a more secure place. So it's got a good, you know, intentions at heart. It's technology agnostic. So it doesn't, you know, specifically say you have to be using PHP, you have to be using this tech stack. It's got a broad appeal. So all of the stuff that you learn from this website, and it's a great website, definitely recommend you go onto it and stuff. And also their top 10 list, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, I was but, just looking to do that. But, um, you know, it's great because then it, it, it stands the test of time. You know, it's not like, oh, these these examples were written in Java, so they don't, can't translate to Ruby. They're all things that are on a higher level, similar to like design patterns and stuff, where they're on a higher level to, you know, that you can reuse them. Uh, and then obviously this has been, because it's a non-profit, it's been contributed by, you know, many security professionals. So top people in their fields have helped contribute to this to make the web a safer place. And that's their job and that's what they want to do. Um, so yeah, going back onto the top 10 list. So, uh, there's, uh, there's a compiled list that they did of the top 10, uh, issues or security problems that commonly happen on the web and are the most popular and most frequent. Uh, the current one that's been published was last year in 2013. And I think the great thing about this list is it, it, it doesn't give you everything, but it does give you, oh, whoa, you know, and it kind of gives you those bullet point kind of things that these are the things that I should be paying attention to. Um, because you know, you've got to start off somewhere really. I really uh, love the way these pages are laid out. Actually, oh, they give you give you so much information. Nice diagrams and everything. I definitely yeah. put it in the show notes. Like it's just a PDF that you can print off and just have a look at. Um, and the, the nice thing about this is, so you know, what should be happening with this is, is it should be used by developers as a reference. So when you're implementing, and well, you should be doing it because you know, and uh, you know, it's a reference that then you're able to say, oh, you know, okay, I should be thinking about this when I'm dealing with session management. I should be dealing with this when I've got you know my cookies, etc. Uh, it's actually used by companies as a standard to grade you know, web applications or applications that they're going to be using. So, you know, the thing there is, is that, re- you know, that they don't know the technical aspects. So they need this document to be able to say, look, these are tick it off. Almost they like that, you know, the whole ticking things off thing. And then it's also used by security professionals and it's used for reference for them for testing and auditing subject systems. So they can then also have a tick off system that then they can talk to the company about. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so... I suppose, yeah. Uh, what, what, I mean, have you have you ever heard of the the Open Web Application Security Project at all? Or? I, I I must admit, not not by this definition. Um, and this this is really uh, this is really refreshing for me to see this because, you know, I'm I'm not going to um, I'm not going to lie here. You know, I I know what I what I would consider to be the basics of security, and I know how not to be stupid with security and everything. But you know, they're you know, there are, I would assume that there are guys out there working for web companies that specialize in Absolutely, security. Sir. You know, it's, you know these I, I are the guys that know agree. everything that there is to know. And unfortunately, the nature of the web, you know, even the hackers are going to get more and more intelligent. So you can only do what you can do to keep up with it. Exactly. I mean, so, you could have a nice, shiny new system, you know, and you've got a brilliant website that you've used, you know, the latest and greatest frameworks, blah, 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 floor. But guess what? If that someone can hack into your system, it's a pointless web application, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think what you what you were saying just now about things like uh, 
storing un- unencrypted databases, uh, passwords in databases. I mean, Christ. <laughs> it's yeah, it's unfortunately <laughs> still seen. So it's it's one of those unfortunate things that yeah. Well, well, well that is definitely. I think maybe we can just have a little talk about that first. Um, is passwords should always be hashed. You should be using PHP 5.5's password underscore hash function. Uh, if you can't use that, there is a polyfill that the IRC Maxwell guy who made it that will work down to, I think, 5.3 point something, point seven, I think it is, because of a, a bug there is actually in certain entropy things. So there is a way to maintain using that one you know, system, uh, that one, sorry, that API, and it works really well. Uh, because there's no reason not to be comp- uh, hashing your passwords. Uh, you shouldn't be using MD5 anymore. You shouldn't be using SHA-1 anymore on its own. You shouldn't be using SHA-1 or MD5 with a nonce or a seed. You should be, <laughs> yeah, not, it's, yeah, it's a funny name, but yeah, so just... No, 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 oh, yeah, sorry, no, I wasn't, that was, I wasn't laughing at that, because that's, uh, uh, sorry, that's inappropriate to laugh at that word. But, <laughs> and uh, the yeah. fact that the fact that people use, it, like, MD5... Like, I mean, that was when I started to learn about web security and all of the first few like videos I saw on storing passwords in databases. Well, this is that we're using MD5. And I think the thing is, is again, there's a lot of information on the web of security with PHP where it's very old stuff. And uh, there's a little story. So MD5 and SHA-1 are great at what they do. And the idea behind them really is they're not there for security. They're there to hash files or hash strings. So, you know, to be able to quickly and the, the idea of them is for speed. They're there for saying, I quickly want to know the identifier, the fingerprint of this file, so I can just check to make sure if it's the same file or something. You know, you typically get that on the web when you're downloading an open source project or a Linux distribution. There's like an MD5 or a SHA-1 hash, and you can just check to see that yours is the same as that, so you know you haven't got malicious, you know, something malicious hasn't happened during the actual download of it. Um, Mm. So they go by the fact that they want to be quick. Now, we don't want things to be quick because the quicker it is, the easier it is for the, uh, for a malicious user to brute force hack, you know, attack us. And there's a lot of thing now with the fact that these, uh, so it typically was done with software, but now with graphic uh, graphics cards and stuff that are able to be programmed, like with CUDA and stuff like that, you can now on actual hardware crack and do these MD5 hashes, which does ridiculous speeds. So on their own, they're awful. And, and the same then with, uh, you've got rainbow tables and stuff, which is quick lookup and being able to quickly being able to hack a system with pre-computed hashes. Um, C's do help a bit, a lot actually, but then there is another sense of, you know, like what do you use for a C, et cetera. Um, then there's also the fact of um, what you now want to use is you want to use something called encrypt and bcrypt. Um, and the idea behind these is they uh, they also uh, do something called oh, I forgot what the actual technical name is, but the actual all the application is is that they they slow down the process. They're a slower algorithm, which makes it more confusing. So eventually, this algorithm will come. You know, hardware and software will become quicker. We have to optimize it, so you know, bad people can come again. But at this time, it's a slower algorithm to use. But also, it does this thing called iterations, and it will iterate and it will do the it will say, oh, please do this algorithm really like fifty times. So it will do, and it will be a lot slower that way. For, <laughs> even though for you, it won't seem that slower when you're just logging in that one time. But if someone's trying to a brute force attack your part, you know, a, a list of passwords, a list of hashes, it's going to make a considerable difference to them. Yeah, is this um the what was the, the PHP function you mentioned at the beginning that <coughs> password <laughs> underscore hash. Password underscore hash. So, are you are you saying this this is the um, the ultimate way now? Because it's I've the, I've been using um, for in the past like things like PHPass and things like that, which that when you, I, at the time when I researched were 
you know, everyone was saying this yep. is the thing to yeah, use. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember me going on a, one of my old blog posts that I had to update a couple of months ago was that, you know, I, I, I did definitely go behind, you know, the PHP Pass because at that time it was the only way of simply doing it. Right. Um, now with 5.5, they, they were, there was a lot of uh, debate on do they include this into the core of PHP, and I'm glad they did because it's one of those things that everyone needs to do, so let's just do it right out of the box. So what's a simple example then of um, of getting it in and getting it back out again then? What are the what are the main you know, what's the what's the method there? So it's so you, I think it's it's PHP uh, it's password underscore hash and I think you just pass in what you want to be hashed. Yeah. And, and then, then that's you, that's you that's do a verify and a verify will then just do a verify on what you've got the ha- what the hash is and then what your actual thing is. Not sure about the semantics like completely, but I will put in the show notes like the examples that he gives and they're very simple examples. And yeah. they're as simple as using MD5. I mean, I know back in the day, the nice thing with MD5 and SHA-1 is, is that you can actually take away the check from PHP and actually do it like, say, in the database layer. So I used to sometimes naughtily uh, say, you know, just, just do a check and you could actually do an MD5 and it would actually do a function in MySQL that would then do it for you instead. So it would get up that, that you know, that gubbins out of the actual PHP script. But really, you should be doing it in the PHP script using these technologies now. Yeah, cool. That's uh, that's pretty that's pretty decent. That so I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to look into that myself. Like I said earlier on, you know I'm uh, I'm by no means a security expert, and uh, you know it's, well, it's, it's a it hard always thing changes. To be in it, but, um, it always changes. It you know yeah. it's one of those fields that always changes. Like your next framework, you know, because people find you know flaws, people find uh, backdoors into systems and stuff, and you have to continually be you know on your toes about it. Yeah, and I think I'm, oh sorry. No, no. I was going to say all I was saying. That's why when I, when I was obviously back in the early days, and and when I watched these tutorials that were using MD5 to hash, to you know, to hash things, and at the time I didn't know any better. It was just frustrating, like because these these technologies I think were available then. So I don't know why why anyone would go out to teach a security video and include. M- MD5, you know, it's it's not just, something to be messed with, you know, go know. straight in with what you need to do, you know, it's cut one, to the point. That's it, and I think that's why it's good that it's in the core, because that's the trouble, it's it's fine having libraries that are external, but having it in the core makes everyone be able to use it then, Yeah, without so, these third parties, you know. I've got some work to do then, I'm probably going to find out quite a lot about, <laughs> about stuff that I need to go back to for projects. Well this I? is, and I mean today, when I was researching, I've learned so much today with this, so it's you know, it may be a bit overwhelming, but I think it's good stuff to just at least know and go back on and, you know, re-listen to and stuff like that. Yeah. Would you would you say that this uh, this particular subject comes at number two on the top ten? or uh, Oh, what you the, mean on the... On, on the OWASP. Oh, wow. 10? I mean, for me... It, I'm just looking at the... Yeah, I mean, it's broken, think, broken authentication and session management. I, I mean, I'm sure that encompasses there. a yeah, lot more. it encompasses but... into there. It does. Well, we, we can go through it. So, so what, what I'm planning to do is the top ten, and then yeah. so today it'll be the the top five, and then we'll go through the other ones, um, or we'll you know recap if we do overflow and stuff. We can go back, you know, and we'll continue where we we stop today um, next week. So the first one is our good friend injection, which SQL I'm sure injection. SQL injection. So it's commonly SQL injection, uh, but it can also be like XPath and NoSQL injection now. Um, pretty much anything that you can query for information, uh, something like LDAP. It was used as well. So it's the number one because it's so very commonly found in the wild because databases are so popular. Um, I suppose the real question is asking you, when was the last time you built a website without a database backend? Yeah. And it, uh, you know, 
Very rarely. Exactly. And and that's the re you know, because this, you know, it becomes it's parts and parcel now, isn't it, really? You know, you have a the query language and you have your programming language and the two need to interact. And yeah, also the only reason I oh sorry to cut in there. No, sorry. <laughs> I think the only reason I can think that this is still top of the pile because obviously now there's things like PDO which everyone should be using. The only reason I can think that this is still top of the pile is because of, you know, older code where people haven't Absolutely, absolutely. So I wouldn't think this is going to hang around at number one for too long. Uh, You know what? I suppose you could say the argument is like IE six. You know, things things that shouldn't hang around for a long time do. Annoyingly, (laughs) it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, like the bad thing still is there. You know, it's like Windows Vista will be around. You still remember it. Oh, you hate Microsoft tonight. (laughs) Wow. Oh, I only got love for them. I only got love for them. You know. so, yes, yeah, so, Bill Gates coming on next week as well. Yeah, no, wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Yeah, and Big Billy's on, you know, uh, Billy, yeah. <laughs> oh, Steve Jobs, boo, yeah. Apple sucks. Linus Tallville. Um, yes, yeah, so, so anyway, moving back on to the injection. Yes, yeah, so the uh, I suppose one of the other things why it's so common and why it's number one is because there's automated tools available that can comp- comprise, you know, compromise your application security. So they're like bots that can do this for you. And, you know, they constantly are just hammering sites just to check. So if you can automate this, you know, and let a computer do this instead, you you know, the malicious users just, you know, just do CPU cycles at it and, you know, see if they can get into your system. Yeah. And I suppose the idea actually is what is a SQL injection? So the idea is to access data that is stored in a database, which the user that's trying to attempt to use it has not got permission to access. So, you know, it's trying to gain more access to the information, trying to either query it, to select it or to delete it in some scarier senses, you know, information that they're not allowed to do, actions that they're not allowed to perform that you shouldn't be able to perform, but they are able to by, you know, these naughty ways. Um, it's And what the, normally they do uh, in the sense of querying it is they do something te- that's technically called data exfiltration, exfiltration, I think I said that, which is data theft pretty much. And the idea is there is it just prints it out to the web page. So, you know, it, normally, typically, say, an example would be you have a users, you have users, and you have a users table, and then you have, I would like to, uh, you know, get the first user to so get the ID for the first user. And I supply, you know, in a get parameter, the ID equal to one. Now, the trusted part of that query or of that whole uh, URL is the URL itself and the resource location. So we can trust that, you know, the example.com that we're on and the user's resource is fine. And even the ID bit's fine. But it's the actual, the information that the part user has actually passed to us, which is the number one that we can't trust. Because users will do, you know, they will break things. They may accidentally break things, but they are maliciously sometimes trying to break things. Yeah. So you shouldn't be trust this information that's coming through. And uh, there's a reason. So in this case, that maybe you have a select star from users where the ID is equal to one. Now, if you were being naughty, you would literally just grab that get parameter. Let's say in PHP, grab it, you know, and then you would just concatenate it into a string. And you wouldn't do any, you know, any uh, escaping or anything like that. You would just say, yeah, whatever comes in, I'm allowing that. And what someone could do then is they could do something valid, but they could also do something naughty by, say, an example of, well, I could also, I can, as well as supply just the one, I could say, or one equal one. And that's a very common example of a, a common SQL injection attack where they just provide something that's true. So not only now will they get the idea of one, They'll get everyone's everything. idea, everything, yeah. and including, you know, and this is this is pretty much how LulzSec got the thing. You know, they just did one of these injection attacks. One thing wasn't patched, you know, one area of the site wasn't patched, and they got all this information. So 
you know, it's it's a scary thing to think, oh, you know, my, my web application's bulletproof, but if you've got one page that does something, you know, that isn't secure or some, you know, I mean, the, the common example is, you know, you've got a person who's just starting out in a company, you know, a, a junior developer, and then they upload it to a site and they don't use the correct protocols that you've put in place. This per, this page is now, you know, your site is now unsecure. Absolutely, yeah. And it's dangerous. Very and it's, dangerous. And... um some of the kind of protection for it I've seen in the past has been a bit scary as well. Yeah, so there's this whole thing about the protection is it's whitelisting versus blacklisting. Um, and, you know, the idea is that if you whitelist... Is this, is, this, so is this sticking to purely MySQL for the moment? Is this before we go into PDO, if you, uh, do you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah, so the, these are things you can do to protect. So the SQL parameterization thing we could definitely talk about. Yeah. Uh, but the first thing would be whitelisting, blacklisting. So whitelisting is the idea that only these things are being allowed. Blacklisting means these things are definitely not allowed. Now, whitelisting is a lot better than blacklisting because with blacklisting, you have to include everything that it can't do. With whitelisting, you're just saying these are only allowed and you're chucking everything out. Again, mm-hmm. users are malicious. They, they will work things around to say, oh, you didn't include this you know, example of it and stuff. Um, so the idea of it with actually just uh, whitelisting untrusted data is to check for patterns. So, you know, say if, in the example with the user of ID1, well, I want to make sure that what they provided me is an integer. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only one, a positive integer at that, actually, because, you know, my ID isn't going to be negative integer. So I only want this to be a legal number, a, le- a legitimate integer. So that is, a you know, a pattern that it has to meet. And that way, then I can then go into my second uh, check, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is the parameterization. But that allows me to be sure then that the only int- information that is going through is something that I want to go through. Yeah, and definitely. Then, and then we have what you were talking about, the parameterization. So I don't know if you want to have a little work, little talk about SQL parameterization with PDO and stuff like that. Well, yeah, P- PDO is just it's it's kind of the uh, the modern way now of of querying databases, isn't it? I mean, it's certainly one of the main uh, main new libraries that that is used. I mean, my using MySQL. Um, solely is 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 just definitely not recommended now and functions sort of mysql real escape string and all that are, well, it's uh, been deprecated which is great oh, has it yeah it's yeah. been deprecated five uh, i think five five's got it it's gone now yeah well that's good so i mean that, the, the whole idea of using pdo is it it separates the um separates the values doesn't it and then you bind them back in later on that's it so the, the idea is you've got your untrusted data and it's separated from the actual sql command yeah. so that everything that the user inputs is always considered as data and put into the table that way, so it, you know, so they aren't able to do special things such as like do ORs because OR is the booting, you know, actual thing, and it's that's a command that isn't anything to do with the data. And if they did try to do it, we would we would insert it into the database as if it was data. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And it also allows us to typecast each parameter. So stuff like um, the ID, you know, you can typecast it with with uh, like libraries and you know functionalities such as PDO and MySQLi, which is another one we have to talk to it about in a minute. And that and that allows you then to say, look, this has to be an integer, and it will, you know, it will be cast to an integer. Um, this all goes down to the fact that concatenation is bad, and you should never use it with untrusted data. Um, you can use MySQL, uh, the original driver, and also MySQL real unscaped string, legitly without security issues. But you have to concatenate them correctly, include the you might you know the escaping of the string. You have to include quotes inside the string, which seem a little bit weird when you're doing all this concatenation. So the idea is do not use concatenation or interpolation in a query string with any untrusted data. Always use parameter binding. 
And the way you can do that is in, in PHP is by using PDO, and that's the PHP do, uh, database object, or MySQL I is one. That's what it is. It's, it's MySQL's. So PDO has been can be used in a, major, a lot of different. Uh, it's got multiple drivers for different uh, database uh, uh, database protocols. So you can use it for Postgres. You can use it with um, Microsoft uh, MySQL. Well, Microsoft SQL, sorry, and then MySQL. Uh, MySQL I is pretty much what MySQL, the original driver, should be now, and that includes binding, etc., and all that. Um, yeah, so that that that, that either one of those. I tend to go with PDO because I think that's yeah. going to have longer. It's got it's got a lot longer life left because it's you know it caters for all of these different databases because maybe one day I don't want to stay with my with my SQL. I want to go to move to Postgres or something like that. You know, I've got that option there to at least then use the same type, even though the queries may be slightly different, but it's the same type. You know, system using the same class and stuff. Um, yeah, so. They're also, yeah, so what they do with the parameters is you specify saying, you know, that uh, these are placeholders uh, and then in some, before you actually execute the query, you bind saying that placeholder has this information and maybe supplying a type, you know, a cast type saying that this is actually an integer, this is actually a date. Uh, the idea is that the placeholder then data conforms to the acceptable range of values that you're actually allowed it, allowing using that query and they're all going to be considered data and none of them are going to be commands or SQL commands. Cool. Um, the other thing you can do is, uh, and this is a really good one to do, and I don't think a lot of people do this, is configuring your database correctly. Uh, separating accounts. So I'm sure I'm very, I'm very bad at this. I've been very bad in the past. <laughs> is that I just have a user account that I use. So and I, I have, you mean I just, just just literally one set of username, password, host in, uh, the, in the config yeah, file? Yeah. Well, you have your root, and then you also have just the user, and that you know, and you just say. You know they're they're allowed to check it. They're allowed to have all these columns. You know the user is allowed to have all columns, etc. And you know that. So the idea should be really you should separate them out into user access requirements. So you should have maybe a user and an admin, and then you're applying this. Uh, the idea is the principle of least privilege. Mm. So you're only giving them what they need. So you're thinking, all right, what does a user need? And you're not giving them any more because that giving them more could then be the problem, you know, of them being compromised. So the idea, an example I've got is, uh, does a user need to have access to a login table? Should they be able to query a login table? Well, no, they shouldn't. Uh, admins should be able to query it in the back end, but, you know, data, but users should not be able to query the login table. Maybe they uh, should be able to insert into the login table if they've had a problem. But it's all these things that, you know, with the query, with the log, with the logs, if they got the logs, they could then check to see how your system works and how, you know, it, it, all the information that you store maybe in the stack trace in your PHP code. So it all adds up to play, you know, areas of weakness in your, in your, actual, in your actual system. Yeah. Um, and then again, we, we were talking about this, our MySQL real escape string. Um, it gets a lot of bad press. It is, it's, it's not safe, but it's only because... People don't use it right, but they don't use it right because uh, the whole idea is flawed in the concatenation, you know, system, you know, way of doing things. So prepared statements are your friend and you should be using PDO and MySQL I. And there's a couple of really good blog posts that I'm going to put into the show notes that I found last week that, uh, that explain them really well. Um, another one that is our good friend is RRMs, Object Relational Mappers. So they're actually good as well in practice because though they don't actually deal with the the actual, you know, the, the actual uh, injection itself, they do provide a framework to write safer queries. So they don't use the concatenation and they typically do provide you with the ability to then, you know, uh, you know, wrap the escape the string before you use it. 
And the last thing I'll take away with this, with the injection one, is to use UTF-8 unless you necessarily need to use another encoding. There are many attacks that take advantage of encoding bypassing encoding, so I would definitely just use UTF-8 unless you need to. If you've got a, a UTF-8, should be perfectly fine for all you know your needs with you know foreign characters, etc. So I would definitely recommend to use that. I think most um, most GUIs set that as a default anyway, don't they? That's it, it, well, it's weird because it's actually a it's a database configuration. So the actual the master the actual database itself, if you don't. It, it will. It does it to whatever they set out. So if you've got maybe a third, maybe you you know you're running it on your own box. It may automatically be set to ISO. I can't remember, but you know like uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Latin <laughs> one something or other. Um, yeah, and I suppose this is a question. Do you know why there is a MySQL real escape string, and we don't have MySQL escape string, and why it's called real? Uh, I just, I just found out today. It's a very interesting one. <laughs> can't say I do. To be honest, it's, no. It, because isn't it the most work? Wor- like that sounds that's really bad English. I was just saying, but isn't it an awful naming convention? It's terrible. I mean, my real. real escape string. I mean, the main name was that was to get rid of the quotes, wasn't it, or something like that? Well, well, it's used to escape. Yes, yeah, so it's used to escape it, so you know that it's it's actually treated as data. But there was actually my sequel escape string, which is a much better name because, but it's not the real one. Uh, and and the, <laughs> and the trouble with the first initial version was that it didn't check the database character encoding. Now. In a bit of a technical level, what that may do then is it may treat multi-byte characters as single-byte characters. And then you could get around that you could go into this thing where it could result in the last two bytes being escaped into a reserved character, such as a quote. And by that way, then a malicious user could then take advantage of it using a SQL attack. And so that's a bit technical. But what you need to know there is that in character encodings is very important because people can you know, engineer you know, characters and they can engineer uh, payloads to take advantage of that. Yeah. I guess the main, the main thing to say from all this, from my point of view is get to learn PDO as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that, that just takes care of a lot of this stuff oh, anyway. So you won't have to worry about it because you're separating there, you know, your date, your data from your SQL commands. It's also a nicer way to, to program my, uh, to, to code queries and stuff I find because I think so. Yeah. Because the concatenation gets so messy and you know, it, it's nice to just have these placeholders that then they replace themselves and PDOs are great. You know, it uses exceptions if you want to, and that's one we're going to be talking about error handling and stuff i'm sure later on uh, not today but you know in a, in a future podcast so it uses exceptions and it's got a really good way of lazily you know loading up the actual database uh, contents and stuff so definitely yeah definitely do you, that out. do you um do you use bind param or bind value to do your queries um i'm more bind val value what about you yeah i'm the same i found that i found that much easier yeah, because I mean, then you can just literally create an array a key value array to pass in that's it and and i mean you can you know and there are external third-party wrappers around um you know pdo itself which are quite nice and you know maybe you'll be making your own you know because during uh, throughout time you've got your own little way of doing things so yeah definitely check out pdo though definitely and uh, yeah. don't be using my sequel in a normal driver even though unfortunately a lot of the books still state it and uh I don't think Mickey would be upset me saying that what on the course, not his course, but on one of the courses they do at the university he is at, he, they were actually still using MySQL, the original driver, which is disgusting. Do you, do you think? Do you think a lot of sites are going to stop functioning soon? Well, they're just going to not be running on. Uh, what actually? What has happened? Um, which I think is kind of good. Is I did find online because I was uh, there was actually that question debate. I was talking to another person on it, and uh, 
he was having a problem with it. And so we, I looked online and I found there was a wrapper that actually emulates the same uh, MySQL driver, but he actually uses PDO under the hood, which I think is kind of a nice kind of, you know, mm. even though, to be honest, you've still got the bad practices because it's not the problem with the actual driver. The problem is with how people use it with concatenation interpolation. So, you know, that's the problem. But so it's not actually going to fix the problem, but it is going to, you know, stop people from, yeah, because that's another thing the, the problem is is that it's great we're removing it but what actually happens is people don't change the code they're like well we're just going to stay on this version then and we'll end up having to support you know version 5.4 i think that's the last one that actually has it we've just you know and you know for years and years to come because people aren't going to move so you know it's kind of working this you know in between you know of do we get rid of it completely or do we support it a bit just to keep people moving on yeah good point it's it's funny isn't it because you know the it's not like you've got to completely learn how to write SQL all over again. Essentially, you're doing the same thing, but you're just passing you're just it through it filters, easier. aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. and you're just making it easier. And the one thing I'll take with um, the first one with injection is any user input you get, don't trust it. It's untrusted. You know, check it for patterns. Check, okay, you know, this is a number. It has to be a number. This is a phone number. It has to be. This is an email address. And you can use stuff like the filter underscore vars that I think uh, Mickey spoke about in our PHP documentation podcast. And, you know, these things to check, sanitize information or check that it's valid. And, yeah, don't allow anything into the database that you don't want. This, I mean, yeah, distrusting all data. I mean, that that to me is rule number one. I mean, if you... If you stick to that principle and follow everything through from that through through validation, you know you that should take care of most things anyway. You know if you if you know exactly what it is that you want to be able to receive into your database, then you know write the validation that will will ultimately allow only that. And and if you do that, I can't see you know there's not going to be many other ways around it. You know it's going to take care of all that other stuff. Absolutely, completely agree there, sir. Yeah. So I mean, this, this, oh, sorry. I was saying it, 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 it can be fiddly and time-consuming, but you know it's it's important. It's really important. You know, it's you got you you can't you can't you can't be lazy because. No, that's it. And I mean, the parameter uh, paradigm, SQL paradigm, is available in all languages. Uh, Java uses it. You know, you're going to find this in Python. So it's not just a thing specific to PHP, though. PHP gets knocked a lot because of a lot of you know a lot of security problems have happened with PHP because it's been so popular. And because a lot of, you know, it's an easy language for people to get into. So it's a bad combination there for what, you know, people find is security conscious, you know. Yeah. And um, another another big point with validation is, I mean, I don't know where you stand on this, Ed, but I don't use any um, any client side validation at all. I mean, it, I, I just it's pointless essentially, isn't it? I don't, I don't think it provides any actual. The only sort of the only reason why I use, oh no, there's no security protect. The only reason why I use it is for the user experience. Um, because what happens is that I, I you know, if the, if I know it's wrong on the on the client, I, there's no point in me sending them a request, you know, making them have to do a request to my server to get the information, that, you know, to tell me that it's wrong. Um, I'll do that automatically, you know, maybe or you know, when you hover, uh, you know, you f- uh, unfocus or blur off the actual uh, text item or the input type, you know, text, mm-hmm. it will come up with an error. So it's it's really just for the user experience than being a protection thing. As you say, there's no, you know, disable JavaScript and then they can go wherever they want. I hope there aren't, I'm assuming there wouldn't be companies out there that use that as their only line. I'm sure, you know what, uh, you know, we're thinking, hope not. I think that probably means there is. Because, you know, this is the trouble, isn't it? People, uh, yeah, they'll do the craziest things. You can create, 
you can create whatever you want client side can't you you can you can go into your console inspect the element oh absolutely and, oh, and you just make I, up I whatever mean, whatever you like post whatever value and you i know. mean these 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 hack you know these these people the malicious users aren't even going to be using browsers you know they're just going to be doing requests using you know simple use stuff in like wget and stuff like that you know to just post to you know with their own parameters so they're not even caring about what you're doing on the page they're just finding where you're uh you know where they can where they can send their payload and then that's it yeah um so oh sorry you're gone I was just going to say, so that um, I, I suppose that's that's all I've got on injection, SQL injection. Would would um, parameter tampering kind of come under that, or uh, parameter tampering, like that? like eval stuff like that, um, like um, passing functions to, or having the ability to pass a function to a query yeah, string. Yeah, I suppose actually, yeah, because it, that's all injection. That's all input. Uh, eval is just a bad bad practice thing to do um, if you're with with entrusted uh, data. So if it's untrusted data from the user, you shouldn't be used doing that at all. And um, yeah, eval is bad. I think one of the one of the to give an example of what you could do if you if you're passing a parameter to a to a query string that's getting run through eval and you may, and you hijack that to be like, I don't know PHP info or something like that. You know, if you have that ability to do that and you don't you don't whitelist your application against functions like that. Then uh, suddenly your attacker has got a very easy way to see Absolutely. all your server information Absolutely. and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't think many people use Eva. I know, I know you use it sometimes, but you know, I I know that you're a very skilled developer. <laughs> oh no! But the only but reason why I use for it people is for, for people who definitely know what they're doing. If you don't know, if you're not sure exactly what it is you're doing, you probably shouldn't use it. But I'm sure for the for the skilled developer who knows exactly how to protect against the vulnerabilities of it, it's probably it's probably very very well, useful. You say, I mean, you say that, but I think it's still bad. I mean, I think I should be the way that you should do it. Well, the way that Laravel now does it um, in Laravel Four is that they they actually generate the page, actually physically generate that page that they include then, so they don't oh, use eval. So I think it's performance thing as well because eval I think uses is a lot more you know hungry CPU hungry on it, but they actually generate the page and you'll see this. There's like a cache of all your all your pages that are just yeah. hashed, and they're actually that all they do is just load those in and include it and then do the whole output buffering thing. Yeah, which is a better way, but it's not as easy. So the nice thing, the reason why I've got that eval thing is for that simple template function I use um, just just on my blog, and I don't really want to have a cache just for generated templates. But maybe if I was to expand on it, I probably would go down that Laravel route. I'm just I'm just thinking of um, an experience I had with uh, with another developer when I when I was um, lesser experienced, and all I was trying to do was literally call one function from another function, and uh, and he encouraged me to use eval, and I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering whether whether A he was clueless or B whether he was just trying to teach me bad stuff. I don't know. Just, I At think maybe time. clueless probably is the uh that's crazy. Yeah, it's only because I thought at the time when he showed me it and I said to him, Oh, what does that function do? And he and he explained and I was like, That sounds a bit dangerous and that's when I when I looked it up and found out like eval, yeah, Christ, this is a, like everything all over the internet, this is a function that, you know, at all costs should be avoided if possible. Well, that that, kind of, that goes on quite well to with eval is that you can in your PHP any file disable functions, so you can blacklist them to say these functions aren't allowed to be run. Um, so you know to make sure that someone can't maliciously include it on the page or you know upload a script that does it. You know at a PHP any level you can say look no these, this function is not allowed. Uh, file get contents is another well not file get but you know over the network you know not allowing them to be able to just you know load up external resources so that's a quite a 
what, what other functions are you aware of that are probably be to be avoided? Like OS is probably one, isn't it? Yeah, sure. I, it's tough though because they all have their like uh, remove directory. I mean, you know, they all have their need. They're required. You know, they all have their purpose because that's you know they're useful things. I yeah. suppose it's just using it, it. It's again making sure that the user isn't able to maliciously just don't have it there readily available on, on the front to, end page. Yeah, because I mean, I wouldn't say don't use eval because like, there's a lot of good uses for eval, like the templating thing and. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to say that it's a bad thing, full stop, and never use it is, is kind of hard because it's actually very useful in certain examples and certain cases. So anything that, you, again, anything the user inputs or can have access to to input, treat that, you know, as, you know, just not good stuff, you know, that it could be the worst thing in the world that you don't want them to input, you know. All, not all users are going to be nice. No, and in fact, you know, quite a few of them probably won't be. Won't be, no, exactly. But just, either by them accident just, or... Just be the most paranoid person that you can be. Absolutely. Um, so the second uh, on the top ten list is broken authentication and session management. Now, this is quite an interesting one. Uh, it, the idea of it is, it sounds all complicated, but really what it is, is the, the idea is you want to gain unauthorised access to a service by impersonating a registered user or a current user. So... The idea is, say you have your user, and they've made an authenticated request to a website, so they've logged in. Say, say Lewis has made you know an authenticated request to a website, example.com, so he's on there and everything. The attacker, some way, is able then to hijack his request, so find out what his session ID and stuff is, and then I, well, me being the attacker there, I'm the nasty person, I then am able to find his, uh, his request using stuff like cross-type scripting, and we'll go on some other things, and then I'm able to impersonate that request to the website, and that server has no idea if it's me or you doing it. We're both looking like legit users there. So in the eyes of, the, of both of them, both requests, they seem to be from legal legal sources. Um, so there's three different types of attack there. Uh, there is the authentication cookie theft. So whenever a session's created, uh, typically what happens is that session ID, the actual ID for that unique, you know, because of the web being stateless, we, to make it stateful, we need to be able to pass these IDs around to say that I'm this person. Uh, typically what happens is you have a cookie that stores the, the ID in it. And there are ways to exploit the using cross-site scripting, which we'll talk about. It's, it comes up next on the list. Uh, there's ways of doing it that way. There's ways of doing it with insecure connections. So say if Lewis was on a Wi-Fi connection and it was just and all the all that all that cookie was going through was just typical HTTP, so it wasn't going using certificates and HTTPS, I'd be able to maybe snoop on it and find it that way. Uh, even another another way is to actually just retrieve it from the victim's computer itself. So me physically going to access Lewis's computer or using something like a malware to be able to find these cookies out. Um, then this moves on to the session ID theft. So I don't know. Have you ever seen in a PHP site um, if you disable cookies, you'll then see something like PHP sesh ID as a get parameter. If you're in a if you're in a session page, uh, no, I haven't seen that actually. So what's actually happened there is because t- so typically what happens is is PHP stores its sessions in the cookie, but because it, you've, if you've disabled cookies, it then needs to be able to store this in another way. And what it does yeah. is it normally t- it will store it in the URL itself, which is very uh, bad. Yeah, you don't want that. So yeah, so the cookie. Well, that's just gift gifting the information on the plate, yeah. there, isn't it? And oh, the URL, well, yeah. so that the active session is in the URL, and what uh, what actually happens there is is that so yeah, as you say, a lot of people can use you know be able to just see this even though it's a quite a big hash. But what normally happens is you know if you can retrieve it from logs, so maybe backups or error reports. You know this this session's been passed around, and I'm able to see it that way, or 
the most common thing is that someone it's very likely with all our social network sites and everything now is someone just copies the link because what you do you know you copy the link say you're logged into a service but you copy the link and you, you post it on your you know, on facebook and stuff and yeah well this session idea is now there and until this session has actually been you know uh disabled you know unset you know it's been you know expires anyone can have access to the same site it, logged in as you which is kind yeah. of scary this this kind of this kind of security stuff does scare me because it's uh, it's very 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 technical, isn't it? And it's uh... well, there, it is. But I'm hoping so. So there's quite a few. So um, yeah, it, it, that, and I was reading it today. I'm like, this is like way over my head. But there yeah. are a couple of things you can do, and I'll explain in a minute that you can do that will stop this from happening, which is great. As, as part of validation again, or, uh, well, uh, or protect, configuration. It's a configuration. So yeah, the third type of attack. Uh, in regard to session management is the account management attack. Uh, and this comes in a variety of like brute force attacks. Uh, so, you know, you may go to Gmail and type in your password, uh, or type in your email address and maybe your password's wrong. And you do that a couple of times, you may see a capture come up or it may time out and it may say, you know, your, your account gets locked out maybe for a couple of minutes or so and it may yeah. incrementally do that. Um, these are all good techniques to stop brute force attacks because again, if you allow someone just to consistently bashing the server then they could you know it, they're able then to continually be checking to see oh is this a valid password is this a valid password and going for a dictionary attack maybe and be able to do that so these type of things having a timeout maybe locking the account for a certain amount of time uh, just to make it slower just to make that process slower similar to how we do our the you know actually with hashing and stuff you know we slow down that process um and another thing with account management is support for weak credentials. So allowing someone to, or actually requiring someone to not include, you know, oh, you're only able to use, you know, uh, alpha, alphanumeric characters. You're not able to use any special ones. You're only allowed to have a password up to 10 characters, which is one of the last. Because then I'm thinking, hang on a minute, are you actually storing this in clear text then? Or plain text? Because a hash is always going to be the same, same, you know, same length. Yeah. And so there should be no problem about this person being able to input a ridiculous 50 character password with loads of weird funky stuff because once it's hashed it's hashed to the same size as any other password so um that is a you know a thing to pay pay attention to is to you know allow per- people to you you know to use passwords that are strong um another one that i see quite a bit and i'm sure you've i've i've had the problem with someone actually as a joke doing this to me is the exploiting the password reset uh because you know, so what do you do with a password reset? You, they enter a, a small bit of personal information, like what school did you go to, or what was the name of your first dog. <laughs> uh, for people with a public profile, and this has actually burnt quite a few people with a public profile who are like celebrities, is because they're easy to social engineer because they can just go on Wikipedia and find this information out. So, you know, my advice there is actually as a user, and this is what I do, yeah, is I don't put the right answers in. I put absolute rubbish in because. You know, people know that the school I used to go to, uh, you know, stuff like that. People know, you know, so I put rubbish in, you know, and stuff that's complete lies. At least that way, then they can't go around that way because that's just the back door into it. I'll be honest. I, I've often, I don't see the need for for having to do that at all. I mean, if 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 the user has registered an email address and it's their email address, which you would assume it has to be because it's the what it was registered in in the first place. Then send the re- all the reset information to the email. I suppose the then. one. I suppose like if your if your if your application was an email platform. Yeah. So you would then have to. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. There's questions, and you know, you have rammed and questions and stuff. You know, you can have like a couple of questions, but my advice is to put wrong answers in all the time. 
Um, so ways to get around these these attacks are to protect them cookies. Protect, protect, protect. So there's a couple of things you can do there. You can use the HTTP only flag, and that can be set in, in a cookie. It can be actually set in PHP. It can be set globally in the PHP any file or on a per instance basis. And what this does is it stops the scripter languages from having access to the cookies. So it stops JavaScript being able to do document.cookies and see in that cookie in there. Um, another thing is to store all the session information server-side. So never store anything except the session ID in the client-side cookie. Don't store the username, don't store the password, don't store any information that could jeopardize or you know uh, help the hacker get in, break into the system. Um, Another one is to check for suspicious activity and immediately destroy any suspect session. So if the user, these are the things I was finding today, and it's it's ways like just, just logging out, what they're checking and making sure that the browser user agent and the IP address uh, are the same, you know, for that session. So someone can't, you know, do the session hijacking because the likelihood of them being on the same IP address with the same user agent is very, is very rare. Um, That's uh, not, a great tip, actually. You know, oh, I like that one. Just have it, you know, and... and the one problem with the IP address is it does it does play around and, and cause issues with proxies. So what you can actually do, and what I saw was the partial IP address. So saying that the first you know two blocks, you know the first you know one nine two one six eight, these two are the same as instead of having to be the full unique IP address. Uh, and again, if they don't, then regenerate the IP, uh, rege regenerate the session, and kill that other session because you know that may have been compromised. Um, another thing is always regenerate the session ID when elevating your privileges or changing between HTTP to HTTPS because, again, they could be compromised. And regenerating your ID is really simple. It's just session underscore regenerate underscore ID. And what that actually does is it you can set to true. So it would delete the old session ID but keep all the information. And it, it's good. So anytime you have late like, privileges, that includes so logging in, obviously, is the big one. So as when you log in, you give them a new session ID. Uh, any information, say, like updating maybe, the uh, user details and stuff, maybe changing your password, give them a new session, all these things to stop. If a hacker, if an intruder has been able to compromise the system and be able to, well, compromise that user and get a one session ID, make it so any time that they're doing anything that could be wrong to regenerate the ID. You know, on uh, on CodeIgniter, if you if you wanted to use the session library, you had to set an encryption key. Mm. Was that, was that, working on a load of this kind of stuff was that was um, that to oh, do that, with that, this so that, that's that more even, for cross site oh no no, um, no no so that actually would be to the it, it, that actually encrypts the information for the whole site so that would just be a simple encryption that actually has its two-way encryption so it's unlike hash you could actually encrypt it so what the actual cookie that we actually see in the browser is complete gubbins until we go back to the server and then we're able to decode it but what also that allows you to do is also like just check to make sure no one's tampered with it yeah which is a good thing as well um, another thing with the cookie actually in that phone is the flagging as secure. So what this does, if you say it's secure, it's not allowed to go through a unprotected protocol. So it will not be able to go through HTTP. You can only go through a secure protocol such as HTTPS. And that stops eavesdroppers and snooping. Um, and also expire the sessions quickly. Don't allow them to be inactive for hours, you know, um, and also rechallenge the user on key application actions. So that's an interesting one. So say if the user needs to update the details, I'm sure you see this maybe on Amazon. Is quite uh, I'm quite notorious for this. Is that if you try and update your details on Amazon, it will actually ask you for your password again and username. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. because it's going to revalidate that you're that user in case someone has come along and be able to snoop to get that session. Um, and of course, the other thing is to allow and encourage strong passwords. Don't put fictional limits on passwords because the hash will always be the same length. 
Yeah, definitely. And 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 that on top of the fact that with the PHP any file, you can set it so it globally does this. So it only uses it uses secure cookies. It only and this is uh, uses the HTTP only. But also you can set it so it isn't allowed to use the get parameter, which is a good one because that's another common trait. You know, uh, you can set it to use only cookies. Now the problem with that then obviously is that if the client doesn't have cookies enabled, it won't work. But the likelihood of that happening is very rare. So yeah. I actually do set that to only use cookies. Cool. That's an inter- That's a really interesting one. That I'm going to have to do some more research on that. That's one of the ones I definitely uh, am less less aware of and uh, have have implemented. I mean, do is it fairly common practice? In you know, in, would you say that this kind of stuff gets implemented, or would you say, it, although it's obviously very much a risk, is this is this ones that people don't don't know about so much? So maybe it, it's one of the. Well, I guess it must be because it's in the. T- it's what number two? So. I mean, you know. it's one of those things that I've never actually taken the time to really, truly investigate because I've always been using frameworks that deal with it. Yeah, exactly. That's um, exactly right. And then you're Laravel. I'm, I'm making something like this, and it's, yes, I know it throws up the argument: why am I, why am I doing this when now I've got to encompass all this stuff? And rather than using a framework that does it, well, all, it's good but, practice. But I mean, it's good. It it's good to know. And you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, I've always been so you know very vanilla with this because I haven't bothered to look into it, and now I have. And yeah, it's there's a lot of work that you can do to secure an application, but that's the great thing about frameworks is they take that away. Yeah, um, you know it's the pro and cons of them. Um, and the third one, our friend, is our good old cross-site scripting, which I'm sure I know that you've done a little bit of work on your framework to deal with that, haven't you, at the moment, or are you still? I've I've done a few bits and bobs. I mean, there's quite a few levels to to cross-site scripting, isn't there? There I mean, is. My, there is. The main the main kind of thing i'm aware of with it is is injecting javascript into into form fields and i don't know to give a a horrible example i suppose someone could if if you don't protect against cross-site scripting and you've got a form in your database a a form field in your database that suddenly someone injects i don't know very very rude site.com injects that with an iframe you know into your into your database and then when you visit that page suddenly you've got indecent image you know that's A very crude example, but something which nope, definitely can no, absolutely. And again, these can all be done using tools. Automated bots and stuff can do this. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of cross-site scripting attacks. Uh, there's one called reflective cross-site scripting, and it's a fancy way of saying pretty much that it's the idea that so an attacker gives a user a malicious URL. So say again, Lewis, you're the nice guy. I'm the evil <laughs> hacker. I give Lewis a URL that I specifically crafted with a uh, cross-site scripting payload. Uh, what I may have done is, you know, so it's got a bit of, it's got a bit of uh, maybe JavaScript in there. Uh, that's, you know, I, I, maybe I want to, you know, make him so he does visit a page or certain, you know, include an iframe, or I want to get his cookies, you know, so you know, you to try and do the actual first, the initial attack, the session attack. Uh, maybe what I do is I send that via social media, or what I do is I use something like a URL shortening service like Bitly, so you can't even see what I'm doing. So that's quite a sneaky way of doing it. And then so the user clicks on it, so. Lewis clicks on it. He goes to my target site. If the cross-site payload is successful, it will be reflected. So the it, the stuff that I've I've included in my payload will be reflected back to him as a user. So what that means is that the, the it's gone to the uh, gone to he's gone to the site uh, to the server. The server's then responded and emitted a HTML response with my bad stuff in there. 
And now the user has it in his browser. And then, so say Lewis has this in his browser that I want to get his cookies. So then the client data is excavated back to the attacker. So then I then make a, make me the JavaScript. What it does is it will dump all his cookies, uh, all his cookie information, so his sessions and stuff, and it will send a request to one of my pages on, on my own server as a, as a hacker. And then I'm able to go, oh, and now I've got your PHP session, etc. And I can then pretend to be you. Uh, that's a very scary one. That's a reflective one. It's a scary one, but it's a very easy, Absolutely. easily managed one. Uh, thankfully, as well, it's an easy one. Well, it, it's easy. So there are a couple. Of, it, it's easy to say, but uh, again, it, with the like the SQL injection, it's hard to put in practice because sometimes people miss these things and stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the second one, the, the other one is the is stored cross type scripting or persistent cross type scripting, and and the idea here is that the attacker has already been able to inject something into the database. That is kind. Of, so it's even. So even even if uh, Lewis. So there was it's your example again, Lou. Of you know the iframe. Say you've yeah. been able to add a page into the database, or you know a widget or something. You know, and I've been able to say, oh yeah, this is there. And then what happens is that I, any time I visit that webpad site, it's going to include this into the page without me having to do anything. So I don't even have to have a specially generated crafted URL. It's already in the database. Mm. Um, so an example of this is like say a search page and a search page, and you have your trusted and untrusted data. So uh, you see this on Google a lot, you know, if you query, so you you search for a query and you'll say, you know, hello, you know, you search for and then in strong, you know, you know, the actual query. Now, yeah. normally what you would do is you would do just a get parameter. Well, you wouldn't. This is the way you shouldn't do it is you'd use a get parameter maybe with the query and you just raw, you know, literally transparently reflect that information onto the into the response. Now, I could come along, though as a malicious user and say, oh, here you go, here's a query. And I just used, uh, you know, script and I, you know, grab your document.cookies. And then, so what this then does is then I'm able to then make it so I maliciously get your cookies. Uh, or or you commonly find this in image sources and stuff. And um, and then, yeah, so then I'm able to actually access, use, uh, I'm able then to be able to compromise, you know, your, your login credentials, your, your actual session by using these cookies that you've uh, you've given to me. Yeah. Um. There are ways to protect yourself from this, like always. Uh, I'm sure the one we all know about is it's encoding. So it's always encode your output and never reflect untrusted data. Always encode, 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 encode. Now, you could do the, the other way. The, the, the way you should always do it, really, is by whitelisting untrusted data. So does it adhere to the expected patterns? But you should also encode anything that you send out, any response that you return to the user should be encoded. Um, even if it's stuff from the database, because you don't know if maybe the database got compromised another way, maybe for a system, you know, for the actual system itself. So always anything. So the, the golden rule is every bit of information must be validated on input and escaped on output. So that's the golden rule for presenting cross app scripting. Any recommendations for ways of, of um, encoding on output? So there is a yeah. So this is a quite a good topic because a lot of people would just say, oh, we'll just use add slashes or HTML entities on their own. Um, the trouble is you need to encode for the context. So, you, you know, if you're encoding HTML, it's different to encoding JavaScript, to encoding CSS, uh, into encoding attributes in HTML. So to use the wrong encoding in the wrong context is useless. Uh, and it's actually as bad as not encoding at all. So um, if I'm encoding HTML, uh, what I do is actually I... I've, I modify, I use the Laravel's frame, uh, framework quite a bit and they've got a really good helper. And it's actually just a very simple, it's the HTML entities, but it's got a couple of options. So you should, 
by default now the encoding is UTF-8, but you should always specify what encoding you want to do so you don't you get around those encoding issues. But also you should uh, encode uh, end quotes. So you should encode all quotes so it will convert both double and single quotes to their, their actual, you know, their presentable equivalent. And what this does is it, uh, I suppose what we need to do about encoding, what it does is it's, it, it converts from the HTML you know, the specific special HTML version, what actually that interprets as, it will convert it into what it just be displayed on that page. So it will look, just display that information instead of actually interpret that information. Yeah, cool. Um, I suppose the other thing, though, is sometimes you do want the user to be able to supply HTML. Uh, say blog posts. Yeah, like a blog yeah. post and stuff. And, and the way you get around that is using secure encoding libraries. So I think you've, you've used HTML Purifier before? Yeah, I've, I've introduced that the first time last week. Uh, very very nice and easy to use yeah you just pass the data through I think it's just purify the function call and stuff so um, yeah that was as good as one I could find I mean that yeah like I said last week that that uses whitelisting so um, it's quite interesting source code to look through but it, um, it's, it's, it's surprising how big the library is actually considering it's what it does a lot of but, work because yeah. of how varied because you know HTML can be valid in so many different ways and that's the problem yeah. Um, now, I, I I'd say that I use the Laravel's helper, but really I use that wrapped up in the Blade, uh, you know, Blade templating language for Laravel. Now, there's a lot of other templating languages, and what these do is they're really made to make it easier to make websites. But the genius thing about that is, though, is that they provide you with these kind of functions that allow you to protect yourself from cross-site uh, vulnerabilities without having to continually go, oh, yeah, by the way, encode this, encode this, encode this. And, you you know, it have their own syntax. Uh, ones such as Twig and Smarty, those are two that I've played around with quite a bit and had uh, released quite a few projects with. Um, and they allow you then to say, oh, yeah, by the way, any any variables you... Uh, in Blade, I'm going to do the Blade for the example. You know, you use the curly brackets. So you you do curly bracket, curly bracket, open those up, pass in your variable, close, close, and then it will rewrite the actual script before it interprets it and actually runs it. It will rewrite that into you know PHP echo, but it will echo with the actual you know entities encoded, etc. Yeah, I must, I must admit, I haven't used many of those templating languages. They're but... very good. They add a, a level of complexity, but what they do is take out that need to worry about cross scope scripting because it will, it will, it, a lot of them you can set to default always, you know, encode. If you don't want it to encode, you then specifically tell it to not encode. And that allows yeah. you then to be like, do the highest. So the golden rule is to validate on input and escape on output. Yeah. Because it's one of those things that's very easy to do. Oh, yeah, just, just encode it. But people forget. And there's always that. And, you know, all you need is that one variable that isn't encoded and then your system, whole system's compromised. All these listeners are going to be terrified now, aren't they? Well, I know. I know I am. <laughs> it's good to know. I think it's good stuff to know. I think it's you know, very good to know. You know. It's one of those things. The more you know, the more you're scared. But actually, the more you know, the powerful you are. You know, the more equipped, well equipped you are to deal with the problem. I think uh, if you could, even if you just provide more than one layer of security, Absolutely. you know, you're off, you're layers, off, you know, that's it, don't just layers. put one in. Most people probably stop at one layer and think, right, you know, they've put that in. You know, that should stop, quote-unquote, most things. That should be all right. But, you know, don't stop there. You know, go to the next level. Absolutely. You know, even, even, you know, there's 10 things, obviously, in this top 10 list. And even if even if you only implement two of them, you know, you're probably well, going to cut out a lot, a lot of possibilities. You're better off than where you started, aren't you, really, you know? And it, it's slowly including these things. So yeah. the, fourth, the fourth one 
is a weird name one, but it's called Insecure Direct Object References. And the idea here, and it's quite an interesting one because I never really thought of this too much beforehand, but it's, it's the idea... Uh, it's bad to expose references to internal implementation objects such as files, directories, or database keys. So, I'm very, I, I'm very bad at this. Like, say, um, I've got an ID, and uh, you know, my IDs are auto incrementing, and you know, so there, there is, a, there's a heuristic there, there's a structure there that someone could easily say, well, hang on a minute, is there ID two? There's an ID three. There's an ID four. Um, the idea then is that maybe say I've got an edit.php page that I pass in the ID, so. Look, again, I'm going to use me and you as an example, Luke. Luke, <laughs> you are, you know, user one, ID one, and I'm at ID two. Now I go on and I edit, you know, my page and I find out in the, in the actual parameter, the get parameter, oh, there's an ID two. Well, let me change that because ID two, or maybe there's a three. Oh, there's no three. Ah, oh, maybe there's a one. So I go and see, oh, there's one. And I'm like, oh, and because sometimes what's happened is the user, it turns out that the, the implementer hasn't actually made it so I can only check you know, implemented access controls in such a way that I'm only able to access my page, I'm able to access any page that has, as long as I provide it with the ID. Um, then I'm able to look at your information and change your information because I'm technically on your page. Um, so that could, that the, the most the way to deal with that in my head is using access controls, be explicit about who, what you can access, you know. So, you know, if I go to the edit page, I have to make sure that the ID that I'm on is the ID that I'm registered with. So I'm only able to access my edit page. Um, and expect these to always be tested. Expect a user to come along and say, "Oh, can I just see if you know the ID one's there?" And then be able to let's see if I can go into Lewis's page. <laughs> I'm very pleased to say that this is actually something that I have implemented in my framework for that it, very reason. I built in a change password functionality thing, and then yeah, it suddenly dawned on me. Well, hang on a minute, I can just change ID three to ID two and do that as it. well. Exactly. So yeah. That- Perfect. And yeah, you want to make sure, you want to add that layer in. Hang on a minute. Are you actually the user you're saying you are? Are you supposed to be on this page? (laughs) Well, well, I mean, the the trouble is now it goes into this whole thing of indirect maps. So the idea then is that should should you expose any internal keys? You know, should I be able to tell you that you're ID1? Does it matter that you're ID1? And the idea then there is, and it's a really weird one that I've only just spoke, well, I've only learned about today. It's like mapping them to temporary keys. So say you have your ID key, you... you. Do, you do you mean keeping them away from the URL? Uh, well, no, well, actually just generating... So you generate a temporary ID that's linked to that your ID that then I can grab your ID, that I can then grab your information. But it's only valid, say, for your session. So maybe instead oh, of edit.php uh, ID equal two, I then create have a table, maybe a join table that just says, oh, by the way, this ID, and it's a random GUID, maybe global unique identifier, and that's now linked to my ID two. And then what happens is, is that I then have ID equal to my big old GUID. And then instead of actually providing it with two, I provide it with that. And then for that one session, I'm able then to say that is equal to that. It's it's so much more for complex systems, though, I feel. Like, I was going to say. Stuff like banks say. and stuff like that. Because there was a big bank problem that had this where they someone literally could just change these. and Because it's auto-incrementing and, you know, innumerable source, you know, IDs. Um but the one, the big thing to take, I thought that was kind of cool, but the big thing to take away from it is to implement access controls. Yeah, I'm surprised this has come in at number four. I, it's very, I suppose because of, I, I was quite surprised, like I was thinking, hang on a minute, do I even, you know, it seems overkill to have to make a temporary tail, but I suppose because this list is for all organisations, big and small, bigger system, you know, but, you know, I suppose we don't want to know, uh, I suppose banks don't want us to know the internal representation of their data and their IDs and stuff. Because we may be out, you know, so malicious users may be able to work some stuff out from that. 
Yeah, and, and and what you're saying is that the key that gets generated is is only unique to that session. That's it, and random. So the next time, and then the next time you'll have a new one, and you will never know what your real ID is. So that's yeah. That I mean, that seem seems like a very 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 good idea. Actually, you know, there's no reason why that shouldn't be common commonly. And, and another thing, I don't know but if you're like me, and I'm pretty bad. I I always name the form variables or names the same as the database uh, column names. <laughs> no comment. So like first <laughs> underscore name. So I do that because I always think it's easier and it looks nicer. And obviously now I'm thinking, hang on a minute, should they be the same? Because the more information you're giving to the user, the worse. But again, this is for big systems. If you're a bank, you need to worry about it. If it's you know a simple e-commerce site that we have, the the the, the problems that you're going to face are the you know the, the top three that we had. Um, and yeah. then this is a weird one because the 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 the, la- the last one we talk about today is. The fifth one, which is the security misconfiguration. Now, I think this is probably actually more important than this, the fourth one. But this is the attacker gaining access to an insecure resource. So on your server uh, via maybe you haven't updated your software, your error logs, uh, you've got unsecure logs. Um, an example of this actually is that you can sometimes go to a Google, like if they display errors are on, and you can sometimes Google search and you can do a specially crafted Google search that will look for error logs of specific formats on unprotected logs on sites and you can see their logs and obviously from their logs from their stack traces and stuff you can work out the database maybe the database you know structure you can work out how the, their code works and everything and the more they know the more likelihood that they can actually try and compromise your system mm. um, so my, my answer to that is to all work, to harden your install so turn off features that you aren't going to need um, you know don't you know, do do you need to use FTP? If you don't need to use FTP, disable it. Do you need to use web uh, web dev? No, don't need it. Uh, any ports, any services that don't need, it, remove unnecessary features. Um, or make sure that your software's up to date. Are your so there's so many different uh, layers to this. You know, you've got your operating system, but then you've got your, your your libraries for your operating system. You've got your web app, web server. You've got your PHP. You know, your interpreter. Then you've got your code libraries actually on top of PHP. Stuff like WordPress and Joomla, etc., <laughs> etc. Et and even then, it comes down to like Composer and Laravel and stuff because all these air levels could get compromised at one. You know, so just keeping up to date with them. And doing a simple update and just keeping up to date on like looking at the website, seeing if there's any, you know, because if an important update happens, you people will talk about it on Twitter and stuff. Um, another one is default accounts and their passwords, which are still enabled. Stuff like routers are bad for this. People don't change their passwords on software tools and stuff that are defaults. People can, uh, you know, a typical thing is you can go onto Google and type in default password for this router and type in the router name and it will give it to you. And... Uh, there is a likely, high likely chance Ooh, that someone hasn't scary. changed that router information. Now, yeah. you know, the, all these things, again, can, you know, be a problem. Um, and it's the error handling. It can reveal stack traces. Um, and another one is development. So during development, we, we add and we include, like, stack traces. We cl- include uh, printing development information, such as variable problems, because we want to know at that time, you know, there's a problem. When it goes to production, though, you want to silence all that. You, you chuck, chuck them in your logs, which should be protected and secure, not in a place where you know they can be compromised by a hacker. But you want to make it so the the values that are in development, you know, that it switches from a development environment to a production environment, whereby these errors are suppressed. You know, the user doesn't get any information. It may just get an error saying, so, "Whoops, something happened." You know, the service administrator has been notified. Whereas when we're in development, we will probably see a stack trace and some nice juicy information. Um, that's a big one that a lot of people don't do. 
they keep the development flags on pretty much in production, which is a bad, bad thing. Yeah, that's so, yeah. Thankfully, that's something that I don't do. I mean, the error configuration is a big is a big part that I that I looked at for a good week or so. So I took care of that. I mean, yeah, the, most people probably think that the environment things, you know, oh, let's just make sure the database settings are different. That's exactly, and, and, they, they, and don't, they don't take care of all the all the bits like that absolutely. as well. Absolutely. I mean, even if it's as simple as what you do is to echo out uh, debug information, you have a debug function that then has a flag in it to just say, look, if I'm in development mode, I'm not going to put it echo it to the screen. I echo it to an error, you know, to a log instead. Um, as that is the simplest way to do it. Um, you know, it's just making it so you don't because the more information the hacker has, the the more likelihood they're going to be able to compromise your system. Yeah. And I think that's that's pretty much me wrapped up for the first five, which I hope I haven't scared anyone to, you know, completely. I hope it's been semi-interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it's been it's been eye-opening, eye-opening for me as well. I mean, the best thing that anyone can do is to go onto the owasp.org website and have a look through these. Absolutely, and, and download, we'll put them in the show notes, we'll download, you know, and they're going to explain it in a much better way, um, for, you know, a much more concise way. And it's agnostic to all all languages, so you know you, you don't have to be a PHP developer. You can be a Java developer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's that's cool. I'm just trying, having a look through my list, seeing if there's anything that we uh, that I had written down. I mean, I I have distrust all data, validate everything, which is obviously we've touched on. Uh, client side, don't don't use it for genuine validation. Completely. Uh, Use it as a user or for security. Yeah, it yeah. Exactly. yeah. User, user, you know, enhancement, brilliant. You know, to be able to, you don't have to have that site. You know, that that request response back to the server. But to expect that, you know, it's not going to be compromised is foolish. Exactly. Um, always, always use PDO or or something that encompasses that kind of Absolutely. database query and technology. Uh, parameter tampering, eval function. So yeah, we touched on that, didn't we? And 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 uh, discuss the importance of not using that and making sure that you can't pass functions like PHP info to a query string. Yes, make sure. Yeah, <laughs> disable functions is another. You know, the PHP any file to be able to disable the functions that, yeah. you, do, that you don't want anyone to be able to access to. Uh, Cross site request, request forgery. That's we'll obviously do that another time. Then that's, definitely uh, think next week we've got that, and I think that's going. Mean, and again, surprisingly, that's not in the top five, which is very. Shocking to me. I don't know. Yeah, and that's, that was you know that was one of the more common ones that I'd heard of, and that was yeah. one of the things I took care of first. But there you go. Anyway, and uh, yeah, that was that was pretty much. Oh, and, and XSS cross-site scripting. So we we t- talked about that at length as well. Well, you did. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I've been yapping I tried. No, 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 no. It's cool. It's uh, you know you you had you've had some good time to do a lot of research on these things today. So it's been good. It's been good to. Uh, it's been eye opening. Have for me. the information, but like. listen to your take on it it's, as well. It's very interesting, like looking at it and seeing, you know, all the things that people can do. Yeah, exactly. And I and I tell you, for one thing, I'm, you know, but I think maybe the the um, the stance I'm going to take on what I'm making and the same with everyone else is, you know, I'm going to make my website the hardest website to hack that's a- ever been absolutely. made. And the way to do that is by not trusting the user at all. Be so pessimistic about the user. I know that sounds very harsh, but it's the best way of being. If you think the user's going to do nice things, then you're not going to be able to secure your site, you know, because, you know, you assume that they're going to be good. Yeah. No no one's going to be offended. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, oh, user, I don't trust you. I tried to hack your site, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. Send you a very uh, harshly worded email. You're not friendly. Oh, yeah. Dear. 
Anyway, I think that's that's me done for my stuff as well. So. Yeah, yeah, that's me too. I mean, we've we've gone well over the hour again, haven't we? Yeah. So, uh, well, we've th- uh, we've got yeah, good some good content in there. I think for uh, these listeners to- are getting their money's worth these days, aren't they? You know, we're going. Should we start charging? Nah, <laughs> charge. Yeah, we'll be a business out of this. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I assume we're back to our back to our usual four next week. Are I, we? I think I hope so. Yes, I think we will be. Um, and I think what we'll be discussing, I think it's safe to say we'll be discussing the next five on the uh, on that list. So, yeah. And also chiming on any stuff that we think about during the week from what we've been discussing this week. I'm sure, sure yeah, there's stuff well, I've forgotten or you've forgotten and we can, you know, bring it up. Well, over, the course, over the course of this week, I'm going to um, embark on trying to implement some of these things. So I'll... Uh, well, it'd be great. I'll yeah, that'd, and, that'd be I'll awesome to get your feedback. feedback on that. Yeah. Because um, as you say, like, it's fine us talking about it at a high level, actually using it and doing that is where, really where people care about it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm going to put a lot of show, uh, a lot of links in the show notes, which is stuff I material I found today, which I found really useful. And yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, no, I think they're uh, brilliant. Thanks, Ed, for uh, for sharing for sharing. Well, thank you that. for spending this time with me, sir. And thank <laughs> oh, you, listeners. Pleasure as always. And listeners, if you have any questions on this, any you know, well, anything I got wrong, please email us at contact <laughs> at three and and we'll, we'll read it out in the show and you know answer it. So it'd be awesome. Cool. Yeah, quite a few people did request for us to discuss some of these issues. So hopefully, to those people, this has been helpful to you. Yeah, even if it's so, just uh, even if it's just a, a starting block, you know, just one of those, just to get you thinking about these things. Really, if you just take want. one one thing from it, you know, that could be the difference yeah. between your website getting hacked. So, uh, yeah, hope hopefully it's been helpful. Awesome. All right then. Well, it's been great speaking to you, Lou. And you, you too, I, mate. I will see you next week. See you later, people. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe. <laughs>